Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a mental health platform that provides direct online counseling and therapy services via web or phone text communication. You don't even need to use flu powder in order to access a therapist through BetterHelp. I think we can all tell in book five that if you keep your feelings bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off of your chest if you don't have access to Dumbledore's office. I know in my life, therapy has helped me identify patterns to help me interrupt ones that I don't feel like are healthy and find better ways to cope. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com dot com slash sacred text today to get 10% off your first month. That's better help com slash sacred text. Hi everybody. It's Vanessa. Before Casper joins us, I just want to tell you it is his birthday on Sunday. And the thing that you can do for his birthday is go to harrypottersacredtext.com and click on the black button that says hashtag HPST gives and help us help support the Okra Project, which does great work helping to provide food to black trans youth. Also tweeted him telling him he's handsome. Chapter 27 the final hiding place. There was no means of steering. The dragon could not see where it was going, and Harry knew that if it turned sharply or rolled in midair, they would find it impossible to cling on to its broad back. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And I'm Casper Terkyle. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. I love the idea <laughs> there's no means of steering, like, oh my God, this dragon doesn't come with power steering. <laughs> you mean that the steel that I'm holding onto for Precious Life isn't warmed from the inside? I'm outraged. <laughs> I would like to speak to your manager. <laughs> Vanessa, before we begin, I just want to remind everyone that I am leading a Harry Potter and the Sacred Text virtual pilgrimage from January 7th to the 10th, and that everyone is so welcome to come check it out and sign up at harrypottersacredtext.com. 
It will include small group reflections. We're going to do some walking prompts as you go out for walks where you are. We're going to have secret text readings together. It's a wonderful way to dip into the themes of book one. And I'm especially really interested in thinking about it through ritual and the rituals that will guide us through our 2021 year together. Come help plan your rituals thinking through Harry Potter book one with me in our digital Harry Potter and the Sacred Text pilgrimage. And then one of our local groups, the Berlin Borough, is doing something amazing. They are hosting a virtual Christmas summit for anyone who speaks German. It is a great opportunity for different local groups to meet each other and read some Christmas Advent-themed Harry Potter chapters together. The summit will be December 12th from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Central European time, and it will be held on Zoom. So if you are interested in finding out more, you can email the Berlin Borough at gmail.com for more information. Vanessa, we are reading this chapter through the theme of loneliness. What story are you sharing with us today? I'm telling a story that's actually a very endearing story about a like honorary uncle of mine who always just has like the sweetest, most self-deprecating stories. Whenever we would see him, he would be like, oh, I was at Costco eating all the samples and it turned out I actually ate someone's lunch. (laughs) He like has these stories that you almost don't know if they're true because like they're so silly and like self-mocking. And one story of his that I think about every time I go to the doctor is that he had like a a small malignant skin cancer thing that he had to get removed. Everything fine, but he like had to get it removed and he got it removed and he was sitting and waiting. The doctor said, I'm going to send the nurse in to bandage it up. And he said, great. And it was he was like one of the last appointments on a Friday And he was sitting alone in the waiting room and he has a very busy career and he has several kids and several grandkids. And he just so enjoyed the silence of being alone in this room. Mm. And he was going to have to go home for Shabbat, which, you know, in a big family is its own kind of chaos. Right. But he was like, oh, Shabbat is starting here alone in this doctor's office. Well, he was so enjoying being alone that he looked up at the clock and realized it was something like six and he had been waiting in that room for an hour. (laughs) So he poked his head out into the hallway and the cleaning crew was there and nobody else. And they had forgotten him. They had forgotten to come and like bandage him and (laughs) check him out like he had just been forgotten. And so he bandaged himself up and left. (laughs) And obviously, when he told us the story, we were all laughing. But it to me also is just a really beautiful story about how someone can be abandoned by all sorts of people who are supposed to take care of him and still not feel lonely. Mm. And so it just gave me a lot to think about, about what loneliness actually means, right? How you can be left alone bleeding in the middle of a medical office building and like still not feel lonely. And then we all know the opposite feeling, right? Of being just surrounded by people and still feeling lonely. Oh, Vanessa, I love that story. And I I completely agree with you just that in a different context, he would have felt like abandoned, but because he was really enjoying this moment, it was actually, it was like a little holiday (laughs) (laughs) that ended with bandages. (laughs) 
<laughs> where like an hour went by and he was just like happily sitting there being like, do, do, do. <laughs> well, let's dig into that question of loneliness after our 32nd recap. This is an unusually short chapter. It's about half the length of all the other chapters. So the standards are going to be even higher, which is doubly worrying. Why do you do that? <laughs> this chapter is 300 pages. So we're not going to be able to get it all. It's actually a separate book. <laughs> okay, I'll count you in. On your mark, get set, go. So Harry, Hermione, and Ron are flying on the dragon's back. And after a while, they're like, oh, wait, how are we going to get off? And is this dragon going to realize that it has three live humans that could be its dinner? Because it's probably not eaten in a while. Um, They go over a lake where, like, a hungry, thirsty dragon is getting some water and they jump off. Very wet. Go on to land. Cast the spells to make sure, you know, everything's okay. Um, And then Harry goes into Voldemort's dreams and Voldemort realizes slowly, but surely that all the Horcruxes, uh, you know, have been discovered or he's like... Will they have been discovered? Wow, I didn't even get through it. I just really wanted to stay with that lake dragon moment. Well, that lake dragon moment is fantastic. <laughs> All right, 30 seconds on the clock for you, Vanessa. Help okay. me help me finish the story. Three, two, one, go. Um, they also break out into laughter. They're on like the bank of the lake, the three kids. And um, Ron says, I think maybe someone noticed that we went to Gringotts. And I just love that hysterical laughter. So anyway, we go into Voldemort's mind and he figures out that horcruxes are being hunted because he finds out about Hufflepuff's cup being stolen from the Lestrange vault. And he decides that he has to go and make sure that all of his horcruxes are safe. And then Harry's like, he's going to go to Hogwarts. One of them is at Hogwarts. We have to go to Hogwarts me dum 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 yes it's such a breakthrough moment because harry's like i knew it i knew it but unfortunately voldemort doesn't give us precise details of where in hogwarts this this horcrux is i know it's like he's running a reality tv show (laughs) next week he's like it's in hogwarts (laughs) yeah (laughs) where i feel like we have to start with voldemort on this theme of loneliness because so much of what we see is Voldemort's like worry about his relationship with these different parts of his soul. But the place that I really see it with Voldemort is in his relationship with Nagini. Oh. Because he's saying suddenly, Nagini must stay close. And it's not necessarily, I think, about a loneliness. Like it's really about a fear of this Horcrux being discovered and, and killed. But the question that it asked for me was like, does he feel less lonely with Nagini around? Like, does Nagini feel like someone else who's accompanying him or is Nagini just part of him? Oh, yeah. The relationship between him and Nagini is very confusing to me. My first instinct is that, yes, having an animal around you to sort of talk to and externalize some conversation and just like have the physical company of, I do think is helps mitigate loneliness. Because they really can talk to each other. I mean, he speaks parcel tongue, right? This isn't just a like, like I don't want to diminish anyone's relationship with their pets and like crossing the human animal language boundary. But like there's an additional layer of connection between the two of them because they literally speak the same language. Yes. But I mean, I would say one of the gifts of pets and one of the reasons that they can make us feel less alone is that we don't have that language, Mm. right? That it's like almost a more primal connection of love and need the same way that a baby can make you feel very not alone because you're like, this baby needs me. 
and you look at it and it like makes you marvel at what life is, right? Like I think that sometimes a lack of language connection can create even more of a sense of intimacy. That's so interesting. So the fact that they speak the same language could actually mean that it doesn't help Voldemort feel less lonely because... I don't know, there's more to like navigate in the relationship through language rather than just like snuggle time with Nagini, which doesn't always end well if you're Bertha <laughs> Jorkins. Oh, too soon. <laughs> but I also, I worry about Nagini because I feel like it's a really bad feeling when you feel as though someone wants to be near you to exploit you. Mm. I feel like Voldemort is a bad boyfriend who like has been ignoring her for a really long time and making her feel alone for a really long time and suddenly needs her. And so is like all about her when you've been craving someone's attention and they finally give it to you. I feel like their attention can make you feel lonely mm. because you wonder about the intention of their attention. Mm. Is it, oh, only that you're now not busy. Oh, you finally got around to me, right? Like I've not really been your priority this whole time. Yeah. But now that I'm your key horcrux. <laughs> I love that you were thinking of like bad boyfriend Voldemort because I was thinking of like AI robot like Nagini oh. in the sense that you have this kind of burgeoning industry now of developing AI companions. So to think of like Nagini as a sort of AI friend for Voldemort, where exactly that dynamic that you pointed out, where it's like, oh, Nagini's only useful to him in certain moments. And so he's only going to turn to the AI bot at certain times. Are those relationships real? And we've, we've seen that explored in films like Her. And there really are amazing, even chatbots, I went and just experimented with one. I was like, oh, this is going to be so bad. And then I did it. And I found myself like really explaining a difficult emotional situation I was in to this like lifeless robot. And it was remarkable to what an extent it was an effective conversation, even though I knew it wasn't a living thing. And so to some extent, I'm wondering if like, yeah, maybe the boundaries of who we consider human enough to like not feel lonely around is changing because of the developments in, in technology. Yeah. And I think animals are the right place to look for a guide on that. Yeah. A lot of people have very symbiotic relationships with animals where either the animals like are how you make your living or they're how you get around either mm -hmm. emotionally or physically. I mean, the question is, are these relationships capable of staving off loneliness? Right. And I'm wondering what you make of my theory that loneliness is about your relationship to yourself and community is actually about something different, that being in community can improve your relationship to yourself because it makes you remember that people are loving to each other and it makes you remember that you are worthy, right? Like someone treats you with dignity and you remember that you're worth treating with dignity, and, you know, the trio, we've seen them be together all the time and still experience loneliness. So I'm, I'm wondering if you can parse out what that's about. Yeah. I mean, social scientists make a distinction between social isolation and loneliness. And I think it's really helpful to point to that here because social isolation is the ways in which we are literally spending more time alone. So the structural reasons in which we are less connected to one another, more of us live alone, more of us work from home, more of us are unmarried or, or divorced or marry later, all of the ways in which we're literally spending more time on our own as compared to levels historically. 
Loneliness, on the other hand, which you're pointing us to, is about the emotional experience of the qualities of our relationship. So even if you are surrounded by other people, right, so you're not structurally isolated, you can feel alone because you don't feel like a rich connection to those other people in your relationships. And just like your uncle, we can spend a lot of time on our own, but not feel lonely because we're not missing something or we don't feel like we're we're lacking a quality of relationship. And so I feel like in some ways that the trio have been incredibly isolated this year. Obviously they've they've had one another or just Harry and Hermione when it was just the two of them, but they haven't felt, or at least we've not learned about their feeling of loneliness because to some extent they have felt secure in their relationship. While maybe other characters, and I think of Draco or Narcissa, who might be surrounded by people, actually don't feel like the quality of their relationships are, are strong at all and so might be feeling a deep experience of loneliness. Do you think Voldemort is lonely? This is the big question for me. I can't decide because on the one hand, you know, there is such an absence of relationality. We even hear about his regret of having trusted Lucius Malfoy and Bellatrix Lestrange, right? Like that they have somehow betrayed him or fallen short and like he's only going to do everything by himself again. So even the tiny, tiny little hints of relationship, he's shutting down. But part of me wonders... Has he ever experienced love or friendship or connection enough to know its absence, right? Like if you if you don't know it, do you even know that it's possible? And that feels like what has always been Dumbledore's critique of Voldemort is he doesn't know love, right? He just he just he doesn't know what that is, and so can't can't miss it. Yeah, I guess I just know that there are people, and I don't think we have to go so far as to think of like John Muir, who would like go on multi-week hikes by themselves. But I really do believe that there are people who, regardless of their community connections, cannot feel alone. I mean, I guess, and, you know, I have a lot of questions about it. I don't think most of us are built to be like that. I know I am not meant to be like that. COVID has doubled down on the fact that I am not meant to be like that. But part of me just wonders if Voldemort never feels lonely. Yeah, I mean, that makes me think about, you know, people who've chosen a life which is spent largely alone, you know, whether it's someone who has a religious vocation like a hermit or even other monastics who spend a lot of the time alone. And of course, I think they would say they're not alone, right? They're spending it in the presence of God. And and that really points us to, I think, this difference of solitude and being alone, right? That there can actually be real rich experience in solitude if, as you said, there is a kind of friendship with yourself, a friendship with the place that you're in. Maybe maybe it's the natural world. Maybe it is a connection to something bigger than yourself in, in a spiritual way. I feel like we have a great example of this in The Dragon. When the dragon leaves Gringotts, I don't think the dragon's like, let me go be with my friends. Like, I want to be with the other dragon people. The dragon is still going to be on its own, but it's like, what's the quality of that aloneness? It'll be alone and free. Right, exactly. Like, there's choicefulness and like, the dragon can exercise its full dragonness, And that's what we have to look at is like the quality of our relationship with ourselves and, and the place that we're in. That's easy to say. I've really struggled with COVID and, and loneliness. Like, you know, we moved to a new city just over a year ago and we had seven months of, of meeting new people and, you know, starting to build some new relationships. But as soon as COVID hit, like it's very hard for friendships as an adult anyway, to develop, but even more so like when you can't welcome someone into your home for dinner or you can't, you know, have shared experiences easily. And I felt that kind of 
ceiling on relationships. Like you can't go higher. You you can't develop it further. And I think that's part of what my experience of loneliness has been is like the relationships you have haven't been what you've wanted them to be. There's this gap between what is and what you hope for. And that, I think that is really tough. Yeah. I mean, just one more point on Voldemort, right? I mean, the end of this chapter is all about him sort of mentally checking through his horcruxes. He's like, okay, the Lestrange vault, one of them is gone and the diary is gone and I should go check on the other ones. And what's so interesting to me through this theme of loneliness is the one that he thinks is the safest is the one that's around the most people. But the line that he says to himself is, and no one knew the depths of that place as I did, right? And so again, the thing that I think gets him in trouble is this idea that he has dominated something. And I just think whenever we feel like we have dominated something, like we need to check within ourselves and be like, that thing definitely has more depths. We don't dominate anything. And that not only has he not beaten Hogwarts, but he's completely underestimated other people's relationships with Hogwarts. So I think we see the downsides of his believing so firmly in his own company. He like doesn't believe other people are capable of being as smart as he is. Yeah. The other thing that struck me when he's kind of making that list is he's like, oh, surely I would have felt something if they had been destroyed. And he acknowledges that he didn't feel something when the diary was destroyed. But he was like, oh, that's because I didn't have a body then. But he's not felt any of them being destroyed. And I guess I had always still assumed there was some sort of relational link or like body connection to these soul pieces that are interned into physical objects. But now I'm thinking, wow, no, these soul pieces really are destroyed at such a deep level when they're separated that it's no longer of his own experience, right? Like that disconnection at a soul level is so strong that when you create a Horcrux, it's not even yours anymore. There was something really interesting in that for me, this reading. Yeah, that's always an interesting thing to me because we all have experiences that we don't remember. Mm. And so like, do they still change you? I wonder that a lot about like very little children. My nephew is two and a half. And so when he is 10, everything we've ever done, he will not remember. (laughs) And I have poured a lot of energy into this child. (laughs) And like, I believe it matters because he'll know me at three more comfortably, right? Like you work your way into their memory. But Mm. it is a, a wild thing to think about, like the hundreds and thousands of hours you pour into a child that they will have no recollection of. And yet we know, like neurobiologically, that these things matter. I'm just always really uncomfortable with people being like, I should have felt it. I should have known. Mm, mm. And yet I also totally believe in those things. I always (laughs) think I can tell when Kim is sad (laughs) and she lives in Missouri. So. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. One last place that I want us to talk about is this moment of just like joy, laughter, release between the three of them. They've just like pulled themselves out of the lake that the dragon has dropped them on. They are like coughing and... Hermione has fresh clothes for them and they sort of get cleaned up. They drink some pumpkin juice. And Ron's is something like, oh, I guess we're in more danger now. And Hermione's like, why? And Ron is like, you know, because I don't think our exit from Gringotts was subtle. You know, I think I think someone might have noticed. And the three of them just start like laughing so hard. And first of all, it made me think of the moments in my life that I can recall where like you get the giggles with a friend and there's just no better feeling in the world. The best feeling. And then the other thing is I started wondering if I ever laugh when I'm alone. And I don't think I do. I don't think I ever, ever laugh when I'm alone. This is the curse of the LOL. Right. Like that we're saying we're laughing out loud in a text thread, but like we're really not like it. If we were together, we would be like this would be genuinely funny enough that I that I really would be laughing. And I think this is what I I've missed so much in these covid months is like being with people in that way, being with my family, being with you, being with friends where like that kind of infectious joy just spreads over you, even though you weren't looking for it. But it's just hilarious. Yeah. I would even say that when we laugh at a TV show, we aren't totally alone. Mm. But I'm just thinking like sometimes when I fall, I laugh. (laughs) But only if someone is there to like, let me see through their point of view how silly I must have looked. And I'm in part laughing to make them feel comfortable and not scared that I've hurt myself. And then they start laughing and I start laughing more. Whereas if I <laughs> fall by myself, I'm just grumpy about it's it. It's just like, sad. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not like, ha ha, Vanessa, you clumsy fool. Whereas like if I fall in front of one of the kids, it like becomes a bit. <laughs> 
And so it was just making me sad about all the missed opportunities of laughter in COVID. And then also just so happy that the trio's together. I'm like, Voldemort never laughs. This guy never laughs. Yeah, who would he laugh with? No one would feel safe enough to laugh with him. Like, what mm. happens when Voldemort trips over? There are no Death Eaters going like, are you okay? <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Just Casper is one last point. I, I just want to say how lovely Hermione is, which is oh. that she's worried that the dragon is going to be lonely. She's so sweet. Like Ron even says, like, you remind me of Hagrid, right? Like (laughs) that care is so clear. It's lovely. Oh, and I love the idea that Hagrid has taught her this. Yes. Like Hagrid has taught her that like dragons need love too. That's actually an amazing insight because Hermione is pretty fierce about Hagrid's failings as a teacher. And she might not know a lot or at least didn't learn from Hagrid, like how often to feed a dragon. But what she has learned is the way that Hagrid is, right? His way of being with these animals and that that they are worthy of concern and care. And that's the most important thing you could learn from a care of magical creatures class. It's literally in the title, care, care of magical creatures. That's what she's learned. Oh, Hagrid's a wonderful teacher. So Vanessa, let's continue with our spiritual practice of Florilegia this week. And why don't you share with us what little sparklet you chose from the chapter? Still the dragon flew. What about you? I chose nobody had ever known. (laughs) So let's put those two together and make a little Florilegium. Still the dragon flew. Nobody had ever known. I mean, I feel like this dragon is just like flying into uncharted territory. Mm. This dragon is flying to places that nobody has ever known before. And how exciting that is to go somewhere where like no one has ever gone. Yeah. I'm also thinking that this dragon was probably put into Gringotts at a relatively young age and that the dragon probably didn't know that it could fly this much or at least other people maybe hadn't seen it fly like there's some some sense of it and the rest of the world discovering its capacity oh i love that i sort of think of that as like graduating high school it's like you find out what you're capable of when you're not in the social yeah fishbowl of a small community that sort of constantly is reducing itself to its worst common denominator That's a great description of high school. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, high school. Uh, But so it's like still the dragon flu, you know, like nobody had ever known what it was capable of. Maybe it's not like uncharted lands, but uncharted lands within all of us. Right. Mm. Still the dragon flu. Nobody had ever known. I mean, the other way to read that is like no one knew that dragons existed. The potential for us to still be surprised about the world and the magic that lives in it, even if we haven't seen it. I mean, one of the fun things that I think about children and children growing up is I can imagine a child saying dragons aren't real, right? It's that Mm, age where mm. you're trying to figure out what's real and not real. And it's like not their fault, right? Like we tell them certain things are real when they're little that aren't. Right. And 
you know, when a kid asks the question like that, when it's like dragons aren't real, I'm like, I don't know. Dinosaurs are dragonish. Dragon is just a name for something that we made up, but things very similar are real. This world is full of weird stuff. And five-year-old, let's talk about Foucault and what real even really means. Exactly. <laughs> what is real? <laughs> this is why my stepdaughters love me so much. Yeah, just because it's in your head. Exactly. <laughs> Vanessa, where did your uh, quote come from in the text? So my quote is still from the moment where the kids are hanging on to the dragon and the sun is setting and the dragon has been flying. I mean, I guess for like hours, right? A while. Yeah. I mean, it says like Harry had no idea how long dragons could fly without landing <laughs> or how this dragon, right, who's blind would find a place to land. Like, it's just all that anxiety. And I guess I just love that there are three psyches on this dragon that are so stressed and like they have no control over it, right? Like still the dragon mm. flew. I'm just like also imagining like what the dragon is like feeling wind on its face and feeling its wings expanded for like the first time to their fullness. This dragon is having a moment. Well, also it could be really afraid. I mean, if we think about how long it flies before it goes to find water, Part of me is like, maybe it's just terrified that it's being followed, right? Like it's it takes yeah. so long before it feels safe to kind of take a break. I like my reading better, that this dragon is like in its bliss. Yeah, that's a nicer reading. <laughs> what about you? Where is your quote from and why did you pick it? So this is the moment when Voldemort hears from the goblin that the Hufflepuff cup has been taken and there's a scream of rage and denial that leaves his body as if it was a stranger's. You know, and he ends up just violently killing anyone who gets in the way of one of his curses. It's not just the goblin. It's it, it, There's Death Eaters who die here as well. It's super intense. And he's basically raging and terrified and starts to think of Dumbledore. Dumbledore's the only one who could possibly have figured it out even though nobody had ever known. And then that brings him then to think about the boy, to think about Harry. There's this, I guess, conflict between nobody had ever known, and yet he also immediately knows the two people who could know and do know. I guess what I like about it is that it reveals his arrogance and also his wishful thinking of, oh, no one will figure it out, no one will figure it out. And of course, people have. So let's read them the other way around and see if there's new insights that come to mind as we read our, our little Florilegium. Nobody had ever known, still the dragon flew. Nobody had ever known, still the dragon flew. You know, it makes me think about some of the kind of quiet, good deeds that we hopefully do for each other that, you know, other people might not notice. And it might be um, you know, preparing something or cleaning something or checking in with someone, just like these little quiet acts of dignity and kindness. Still the dragon flew, even though nobody had ever known that it had secretly done this nice thing. Yeah, I love that. And I love imagining the mystery of that. You know, I, I try to think of myself as someone who like acknowledges the good things that people do when I'm grateful. But hmm. I like seeing the mystery of like, I can't possibly know all the nice things people do for me. I can't know all the moments that like people who love me worry about me or 
that's like a lovely idea of God that like, yeah, there are good things happening for you, even that you'll never know, no matter how hard you try to like thank every single person. And Right. Yeah, I love that. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This week's voicemail is from Rebecca. Hi, team. My name's Rebecca, and I just listened to an episode about friendship where Vanessa was saying that she's kind of done with acquaintances and just wants to fill her life with people she can say, I love you too. And she told a story about someone who called her out saying, let's be real. We're not going to get lunch together. And I thought that person was really brave. I am someone desperate for loving friendships. And I'm only 26, but already people are finding their partners. They have their careers. They have a group of friends. And it's just like palpable the kind of blinders they have on not being open to new friendships. And Vanessa said she she meant the kind of insincere lunch invitation as the, you know, you're awesome. And if I didn't have a loving partner, if I didn't have work and if I didn't have kids and I didn't have a nap schedule, like I would love to hang out with you. But when people bail and ghost on you all the time, 
it's hard not to feel like there's something wrong with you that people just don't have time for you. And I thought there might be other listeners who are open and proactive about finding friendship, offering love and support, and only getting insincere lunch invitations in return. And I find it can be really hard to to hear the excellent models of friendship provided for us in Harry Potter and also by our wonderful hosts. I'm afraid I don't have optimism to offer because I found that it's easier just to not have expectations of people. Like, I think I am awesome and I know how I deserve to be treated, but when someone isn't invested in a relationship with you, you can't ask for better treatment because they'll just ghost you. And in this moment, I feel like shitty friends are better than no one, but it's hard to know if that's the case. Rebecca, I am so glad that you know that you're awesome and deserve that kind of quality of friendship because everybody does. And I think it's such an indictment on our culture that we have ended up in this kind of poverty of friendship and relationship and that we can't open our hearts and be joyful about the the potential of new friends, especially when we know maybe someone's moved to a new place or maybe they're going through a tough time or maybe they're ready for a new season of friendship. And one of the proudest things, honestly, about this project of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text that I feel are the new friendships that have been created within the community and the way in which people treat each other with kindness especially in our local groups and obviously also in the classes and all of the other places in which people gather. But I, I really hear you. I really feel the depths of the sadness and frustration of what you're describing. And I'm really sorry. And I, I know that you might not be able to have hope in this moment, but I'm going to hold out hope for you, knowing that there are friends that are waiting to find you and who are going to delight in you as a friend. Yeah. I hope this doesn't come across as patronizing because I hate it when older people are like, you'll understand. But, you know, Casper and I met, I was 31 when Casper and I met. And he is absolutely one of the people in my life who helped stave off loneliness and who is, you know, one of my best friends. And I only met my forever partner at 33. And I know a lot of people who I was just thinking about my favorite cousin who like met her Mm. partner at 40. I guess I remember in my early 20s when I didn't feel as confident in my friendships and my sort of social world, telling myself certain stories that really start to feel true of like, I won't have friendships. And I really don't believe that that's true. I think that some people absolutely spend too much of their lives isolated and lonely. But I just think that there are seasons Mm. to these things. But the other thing I want to say is that I really want to echo something that Casper says, which I think that this is a structural problem, right? Yes. Like it used to be if you moved to a neighborhood, you joined a church and like the church group welcomed you or there was like a little block association. There were structures in place to welcome you. Mm. And I think that our generation is 
is trying to rebuild those structures. But there are so many of us who are getting lost in the transition where these structures just don't exist the way that they used to. Yeah. And if you think like we got to know each other in the structure of of a school, right, of right. an education system, like there's so many of those structures that are either difficult to get access to or that are in decline. And so I think one of the greatest gifts that we can offer, you know, if we are in a friend rich situation is like, can we provide structures in which people can meet each other? And that's why I'm so passionate about our local groups, because it it is a structure. It's not perfect, but it's one in which people can meet one another. And that that was always our hope, you know, when we started right. with the class, even before the podcast. So for anyone who's listening, who maybe doesn't share Rebecca's experience right now, like thinking of a way in which we can offer, you know, maybe it's a weekly cooking Instagram. I don't know what it is, right? Like, but I mean, especially right now, who knows what it is, right. but like once COVID is over, trying to create those moments wherever we can. Yeah, I think it's so important. I actually come to think of it, can't think of many friends or any friends that I've made outside of some sort of structure, right? Like two of my best friends, we worked in the same row at work together for five years. For five years, from nine to six every day, we weren't more than five feet away from each other. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Why do you think I wanted to make sure we did another podcast together? (laughs) Because I was like, I'm going to so miss this structure of us being able to talk about things that are meaningful and interesting and get to connect with all of these other wonderful folks who, who listen to the show. But it's a for me, it's like one of the most important structures that holds my friendship life together is, right. is being able to be with you, Vanessa, because I love you. I love you. I know. I. It's really scary to me what Rebecca is saying about just like how institutionalized like loneliness and isolation can be. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, it's an opportunity for us to bless someone in this chapter. And I want to bless the unnamed goblin who brings this news to Voldemort that they, they've identified what the trio were after and that they have taken the, the cup. And this goblin is absolutely terrified. I mean, the goblin is stammering. He's kind of making himself as small as can possibly be. And the messenger gets blamed. It's a cruel, senseless killing and just a long line of cruel and senseless killings from Voldemort. But I'm really grateful that we get to just acknowledge that, you know, this goblin, even though he didn't have a name, is is worthy of noticing and caring for. And, and we should never forget to point out the horrors of what Voldemort is doing every step of the way, because it matters. How about you, Vanessa? Who would you like to bless this chapter? I mean, I'm going to bless Hermione. She's the only woman in the chapter. (laughs) But also, I just want to bless her fastidiousness. Like, Harry is like, okay, let's go to Hogsmeade. And she's like, how's it going to work? And he's like, we'll all go under the invisibility cloak. And she's like, people will see our feet. And like, the boys ignore her. And I think they're sort of right to ignore her in this moment. But I love that she's just never going to not be caring about the details. And that is so much to carry. I write like she remembered to pack clean clothes and pumpkin how? juice. How? And I like the pumpkin juice. I could like taste how refreshing that felt in this chapter of like, <laughs> I am so hungry and I, their blood sugar has all dropped. And Hermione is like, I have warm clothes and pumpkin juice. And they're just like, glug, glug, glug. I'm telling you, I could feel it. <laughs> right like she's Beyonce 
and the person holding water on the side of the stage. Mm. I just love her. You've been listening to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can find listeners who are discussing the episodes in the Facebook common room. Please join one of our local groups and come join the community of people who are supporting us on Patreon. There is a Discord, another community opportunity there. And you can, of course, leave us a review on iTunes and send us a voicemail. Sign up for Casper's Pilgrimage. It's January 7th through 10th, and he will be reading book one and be talking in the new year about rituals. And then, of course, help us make our new podcast so that Casper and I stay friends forever <laughs> at patreon.com slash notsorrypod. Next week, we'll be reading Chapter 28, The Missing Mirror, through the theme of fate. This episode was produced by Not Sorry Productions. Our executive producer is Ariana Nedelman. Our music is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Boll, and we're distributed by Acast. Thanks to Rebecca for this week's voicemail, to Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Megan Kelly, and Stephanie Pulsell. We'll be with you all very soon again. Thanks, friends. Bye. Like he has broken his soul again and again and again. Um, and the place that really struck me was that. Sorry, he it be- sounds like a really good disco song. He broke his soul and again and again and again. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, babe. Actually, it's a Donna Summer, like, oh, yeah. I love to love you so. <laughs> I love to break my soul. Oh. And again, and again, and again. And again, and again. Seven times in one night, baby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>